if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Allow me to explain. It's free, and we all love free stuff. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome to the 2021-2022 St. Louis Blues Preview Show podcast on anchor.fm backslash ECSW. Uh, Stephen Ground joining me of thehockeywriters.com as we get ready for the season to start. And for some reason, the season in the NHL starts next Tuesday, October 12th, and the Blues don't play until Saturday for some reason. So we got that going. We're going to preview the Blues season, what we think they're going to be able to do. Stephen, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing great, Ethan. Always love coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I mean, when I look at this team, I think that obviously missing the playoffs would be disappointing. Um, and I think that they're a team that really, I don't really think there's much of an excuse to not finish in the two, three, or four spot in the central. What do you, what, what do you think about that expectation? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty fair. I, there's been some teams that, or some analysts I've heard that have them a little lower. I think those people are a bit too high on Chicago and Dallas, quite frankly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think that that range, the two, three, four, is probably about where the Blues need to be. Why can't the way that I view it is? Uh, I think Minnesota is going to be good. I don't think they'll be as good. I think Colorado mm-hmm. is a juggernaut team. I think there's going to be. It would take a lot for them not to finish first. Um, like you said, Dallas. I still think Dallas is good, um, but I think Chicago is going to be a very overrated team. I, I and that's not just someone speaking from the other end of a rivalry. Um, it's just their defense is not great. Seth Jones is not a very good player. If he becomes a good player again, that'll help them. But mm-hmm. I think that they should be worried about their scoring up front. Then you look otherwhere or elsewhere in the uh, in the Central Nashville. I don't think they're going to be very good. Arizona, we know, is just going to be you know, looking for the number one pick with Buffalo. So I do think that that's a realistic expectation. Let's talk about the top six forward group. They add Buchnevich, they add Saad, Tarasenko comes back. Yurdy lock in at least uh, two spots with O'Reilly and Perron. They're going to be there. Um, I always thought that playing O'Reilly and Perron with Buchnevich could be really, really good. Um, do you think that they'll do that? And if not, what do you think they'll go with for that top line? Yeah, I think – I think that makes the most sense for now to at least try to start with. We've seen a lot of that Thomas Tarasenko sod line uh, in the preseason. And I think they'll stick with that as long as all those guys are here and healthy. Um, And I think it makes sense then for Buchnevich to be up on that first pairing. He's our first line. He's a, he's a player I'm really excited for personally. I think, I think the it feels like the hype's died down for him a little bit because he was kind of the first move of the offseason. And there's been all the, uh, you know, Tarasenko talk and, and a lot of different things since then. But I really think he's kind of the crown jewel of our offseason. And I think he really could blossom here into a really special player and potentially, you know, even climb up towards 30 goals and, and get in that really top score territory. Yeah, he has really good acquisition written all over him because Mm -hmm. I always thought, and the reason that I wasn't, you know, 
in love with the idea of trading for him at first was really because of the price tag. I thought it would be much more. And while I like Sammy Blay, there's a limit there. Uh, yeah, he has the skill. He, he hasn't stayed healthy. And obviously the Rangers were looking to trade Buchnevich and, and get that get that done. So I was really happy that the Blues were able to get him at the price that they were. And I think the, the extension will be fair um, overall. In terms of outside of the, you know, the idea of Pirano, Riley, Buchnevich, and then the Saad, Thomas, Tarasenko line, you, you're going to have Shin and Kairou together, I'm sure. Who do you think mm-hmm. is going to be the third guy on that line? Um, you know, I wouldn't – I know this is a little out there. I would not put it outside the realm of possibility now that it's Jake Neighbors, at least to start yeah. the season. Uh, he has looked really good. I was honestly shocked when I read uh, JR's article, which I guess is about a month old now, um, that – you know, said that he had been, he'd paid his own way to spend a month in St. Louis this summer and that the team was going to give him a really good look. Um, that really caught me off guard because we already had a lot of depth and we had, um, you know, plenty of players to fill that kind of bottom six role. But then I saw him at Traverse City and he looked pretty good there and he's looked great in the preseason. And, you know, I think Doug Armstrong, we can talk about Craig Berube as a separate issue, but Armstrong has not shown a lot of hesitation in the past to kind of rely on young players in big roles. And, and, you know, he's very much a believer in if, if a guy is past what the, you know, where the CHL is going to be a lot of benefit for him, he'd rather have him in the NHL and, and learning, you know, kind of through the tough minutes in the NHL rather than, dominating the CHL for another season, just because that's the only other place he can play. So I would, you know, he's still in camp and, and I would be, I would lean towards thinking he makes the roster at this point, which I never would have expected, uh, you know, even two or three weeks ago, let alone coming into the summer. Yeah. I'm shocked that he is where he's at right now. You know, the 26th pick last year, um, first of all, being able to be a late first round pick and already be, where he's at a year later is very impressive, especially in a situation where the 2020 draft, as much as normal drafts are a crapshoot, this one was pretty big crapshoot 2020. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you look at, he was the 26th ranked skater on central scouting um, in North America. So people probably think the blues reached for him. I kind of didn't think that he'd be a first round pick last year, but I mean, he's, he was described as a power forward with skill. And he says he models his game after Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. So that excites me. It definitely does. And he's looked great. I mean, seeing some of those plays he made in Chicago uh, a couple weeks ago or last weekend in the preseason, those were impressive plays. And obviously Mm -hmm. I think you're, you're right in the fact that he doesn't need to go into the CHL again and dominate. I mean, it's already been done. He's clearly a guy who, has a very good case for making the roster. I think he fits the style and what they want to do. So I wouldn't be surprised either. In terms of the fourth line now, you pretty much – I think it's a given that Barbashev is going to be there. Now, does Bozak get in there? Do we see uh, Clifford make it? Do we see McEachern? Do we see Costin? What do you think happens with the fourth line now with Sunquist out too? Yeah, I mean, I think Barbashev is obviously a lock there. Um, you know, he can play up and down the lineup, but that's where you'd expect him to start. I would say probably – McEachern and Bozak would kind of be like who I'd figure in on that line. I, I would not be surprised to see Kyle Clifford just cut outright. If, you know, especially if it comes down to, we need a spot for neighbors and we only have so many roster spots. We only have so much salary cap. He did not look, 
he did not fit here especially well last year and it's nothing against him he's a veteran he's got something to offer teams but I'm just not sure that this is the team he needs to offer it to right now so that would be kind of where I would lean I think you know if you're going to privilege a veteran who who deserves a roster spot you're you're probably going to go with Bozak the guy who's been here who won a cup with you over over a guy like Clifford and, and that's kind of what I would expect if I had to go out on a limb yeah, I mean, obviously the team has a lot of depth. That's why I kind of thought the Clifford thing wouldn't last that long. I like mm-hmm. what he's done when he's here. It's just there's too much depth, and I think that that's yeah. kind of the way the organization has always been, looking yeah, for depth you, and having it. You probably gave him an extra year last year to keep that AAV down a little bit, you know, keep it from yeah. being like a 1.5 or even a 2, and so – you know, now you're kind of dealing with the other end of that. And and if it comes to it and you have to kind of let him go and pay whatever penalty you pay, I think that might be the time for it. I think if Bozak is still playing at the level that he's kind of been, he's, he was, he was pretty good a couple of years ago, dropped off a little bit last year, but I think he's still playing the type of hockey that he's played here. I think that Barbashev could be a guy that could score some goals. Um, mm-hmm. on the fourth line and he's Barbashev's scored goals I just think that with a consistent center and then when Sunquist is back I think that could be a really good line but um, yeah St. Louis has always done really well when they have a, a versatile and threatening third or fourth line and I yep. think that would be certainly a case those three guys could all make an argument for at least being third liners so having them as your fourth line without losing anything on the defensive shutdown side I think is a big one Absolutely. Um, now, what do you think happens with Clem Costin to start the season? How long do you think until he gets a legit chance here? Yeah, he's he's kind of one of the casualties of all this. He's definitely the biggest casualty of the Jake Neighbors ascension. Um, I don't know. I you know, I, to me, honestly, I am just kind of trying to lower my expectations for him overall, and. Um, I think he'll be called up, you know, if, if he, if he's sent to Springfield, I think he'll be kind of the first call up if there's an injury, especially somewhere up the lineup where we really need a plug and play guy. But, you know, I think he's, he's a guy that's kind of on the fringe on the outside looking in here and, and he either needs to prove himself really quickly and earn a spot or maybe look for a change of scenery somewhere and and get a, opportunity with a an organization that maybe needs more young depth or has more roster spots for players like him yeah uh, I think that that's a good a good way to approach it I just think that it's unfortunate that he hasn't really I mean he's he hasn't really gotten a, a real chance here and I think that there's reasons for that and obviously the blues have so much depth of we as we've mentioned but um, let's do the defensive group now I think that this is really going to be the catalyst as to whether this team is good or not. I think Bennington really matters, obviously, but I think the defense with all the question marks there, I've been an advocate for Scott Perunovic being there. I think that that makes a ton of sense. He's got so much skill. He's shown it in the preseason. He's been really good. He's made it to this point. seems like Barubi likes him. Um, So before we get into the kind of the top couple pairings, what do you think about Perunovic and his chances at this point? Yeah, I think he's a lock to make the roster, quite honestly. I um, I mentioned earlier, I was up in Traverse City. I've gone the last three times they've had the tournament. And my my jaw just dropped to the floor over and over again watching him. I've never – I have seen one other player up there in my time there. And there have been a lot of top picks, a lot of big stars, your Capo Cacos and, and you know, 
Philip Zadinas and Mira Heskin and some guys on that level. And the only other guy that's looked as dominant as Perunovic when I've been up there was Adam Fox, who, you know, won a Norris trophy two years later. Obviously I'm not saying Scott Perunovic is going to win a Norris trophy in two years, but he was that level of dominant. And, you know, people will tell you to, well, take that with a grain of salt. It's a prospect tournament, but that's kind of my point is like, even by that, you know, grading curve. I, he's one of the few players I've seen look that good. So now that I've seen that and seen him in camp and kind of had the whole off season to sort of look back on, I kind of think the reason we didn't see a move on defense where we really needed some help is because Doug Armstrong expected him to be that help and expected him to come in and make an impact. And he is, if that's the case, he's been proving that faith uh, justified, I would say so far. And I would expect him to kind of be, be in that top four rotation by the end of the season. Uh, He can play either side so he can, you know, basically pick any one of those top three guys that we have right now and, and figure out who has the best partnership and, you know, go from there, but I, I'm really, really high on Scott Perunovic, if that's not abundantly obvious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wrote an article about him uh, like a, maybe a year ago um, mm-hmm. after winning the Hobie Baker, and I kind of compared he could have the same effect on a defensive group that Quinn Hughes had at first in Vancouver, not as good as Hughes, obviously. And then Canucks fans really came after me for saying, for mentioning Quinn Hughes. But um, I just think that he could have that kind of effect on, on the defensive group in terms of kind of giving them some life. I think that he could really do that. And, um, you know, I he's wonder really if... the go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's really the prototype of that modern wave of young yeah. defensemen that yeah. we're seeing those kind of undersized puck movers the Quinn Hughes and, and the Adam Fox and Kale McCarr. And I'm not saying he's any of those guys, exactly. um, but he is that same kind of um, kind of build side kind of player. And I think the people who've called him, you know, basically another Tory Krug, it's like, well, he's smaller and he's left-handed. Yes. But I think the skill level is a pretty significant gap there. And I like Krug a lot. That's not a shot at Krug, but it's a different kind of player, a different kind of skater. And I think he's, like you said, just got a really big impact opportunity here. Yeah. And I think that um, the blues needed something like this. Like they've Mm -hmm. kind of been lacking that a little bit in terms of catching up and, and what the new age defensive groups in the NHL are. And I think that we've seen that on display. I mean, I know Tampa is a little bit different just because they have those veterans, but Sergachev's mm-hmm. a stud. I mean, there's no doubt about yep. that. And um, we've seen that, but uh, in terms of the top four, what do you think the pairings are in the top four to start the season? So I think probably at the start, Perunovic would play on a third pairing and and you'd see probably Scandella, Pareko and Falk and Krug, I guess. I really don't like any combination of those top three without Perunovic, you know, kind of being in there, but I do, I think they'll want to get his feet wet, not, not bury him too quickly. Um, Scandell is a guy that really needs to have a bounce back season. I'm, I'm not confident that he will, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think we kind of overpaid for a guy that was on a hot streak for his contract year. And that happens sometimes, but you know, obviously if he could show any kind of the form he had when we first traded born, that would be a huge win for the team. And, and it will be an interesting season just by and large to see, you know, how people kind of come out of the pandemic. I know we're not out of it, out of it, but in terms of the crazy, you know, crazy nonsense 
effects that it had on on the hockey players and their lives and how they played the game, you know, and I don't mean nonsense as as in unjustified, but just, you know, kind of, kind of unprecedented for the hockey players and their life experience. Um, you know, it'll be an interesting season to see how guys bounce back from that. And especially people that have been kind of going through rougher seasons, you know, I'm sure every team has a couple of guys that'll be interesting to watch if, if that's really a long-term downturn or if it was an effect of all, all the craziness going on. And, and Scandella is one that I would love to be wrong about. I agree. I mean, we haven't held back at all in Scandella in a lot of ways <laughs> over the last six months, but I think a lot of it's warranted and uh, we'll see if he can bounce back. I think that Prunovich and Pareko would be interesting to see for one game. I don't think it'll happen mm. right away, but I think that should be something they look at. I mean, obviously they signed Pareko to this big extension. The idea is to get him a good partner that is sustainable and can last. So you'd like to find that at some point. Um, if Prunovich is there, that's five. Who do you think the sixth guy is going to be? Um, I would say, I would say it's probably Bortuzzo. I know, you know, I just, he's a coach's favorite and I don't have that much problem with him. I think Mikola and Wallman, Wallman really had a great year and honestly probably deserves a little better. Um, Mikola right now as a seventh defenseman, I think is pretty justified. Wallman probably deserves the top six spot, but there's just no comparing him to Scott Perinovich. And if he's got to take that from somebody, then, you know, Jack and Jake Wallman to me is the odd man out right now. I would, I would be fine being wrong about that and seeing him get a spot instead of Bortuzzo maybe, but I just don't think it's probably going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, Wallman is a guy. Well, the, the thing with Bortuzzo for me is I don't just, I just don't think he's a guy that can play an entire season and, and mm-hmm. you still have a good defensive core. I just think yeah. he's, he's kind of a guy that's going to, can play 30 or 40 games and you're kind of okay with that. And um, we'll see. I think you're, you're right about Wallman. He definitely deserves a shot at some point. Hopefully he'll get in there, but um, we'll see. The defensive group is going to be very important, but uh, before yeah, go you're going through players in defense, you know, all the time and there's always yeah. injuries. So it's not like Wallman. If he, if he's not in the top six on the opening night, it's going to never play get the team again. You know, he'll have chances you pretty much have one and a half players from the cup winning mm-hmm. team on the back end at this point, Pareko yeah. and then Bortuzzo who doesn't play all season. So there's been a lot of changes and that really, it feels like it was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. So there's only been yeah. two cups awarded since then. So um, in terms of the power play units real quick, before we get into the goaltending, I think that there's going to be some pop uh, with these power play units. I think you look at the first one, um, I assume you're going to have O'Reilly in there. I think Perron will also be there. I think Krug's going to be there. Then I think the other two spots are kind of up for debate. You know, do you do you throw Butchnevich on there? Do you throw Kairou on there? Tarasenko? Um, outside of Perron, O'Reilly, Krug, who are probably locks for the top unit to start the season, who do you think the other two will be likely on the wings? Yeah, I think Butchnevich is probably going to be up there because I think he's a um, kind of a net front guy more than more than maybe he got the reputation um, coming over. I think he's shown some ability to do that. He hasn't had amazing uh, power play metrics in the past, but he's been okay, and and I think that'll be a chance for him to really up his scoring. And I would people may not like this. And I would understand why, but I still think if Vladimir Tarasenko is here, you've got to at least try him on your first PowerPoint unit. 
Yeah. There's no one else that can provide the top end value on a PowerPoint that he can theoretically provide. And I know we haven't seen it and I, I want to see it. And, you know, I, I don't think the relationship is reparable, but I would love to be wrong about that. But I think if he's here, especially almost, you know, almost more so if he's going to be lower in the lineup in, in the five on five lines, you've got to kind of give him those chances to score on the power play. And I don't know who you would say of the remaining forwards, other than the ones you mentioned, well, they're obviously a start, you know, they're obviously a first line power point player over top Tarasenko. I just don't know who you'd say that about at this point. So I think he deserves a shot there. All right. The second power play unit, I think you got to have Thomas and Kairou together. I think that makes a lot of sense after that. Uh, Shin could be a guy there. I think if you look at defensemen, I think Falk earned a chance, maybe Pareko, Perunovic. Uh, what do you think about the second unit? Yeah, I think uh, forward-wise is probably Shin, um, Thomas, and Kyrie, like you mentioned. I don't think he'll get it right away um, because of how the NHL works and because of how um, you know, everything works and because of how Bruby thinks, but I think it would be pretty unjustifiable if Scott Perinovich is here all season for him not to be quarterbacking one of your power plays. I think he is that much better than our other options right now, which kind of leaves Pareko as a little bit of an odd man out. And you'd hope that if you're looking at him as your number one right-handed defenseman, that he can, can do a little bit of that power play quarterbacking and, and, that was, you know, the point creation we've always wanted from him. But honestly, to me, you just have to stop believing that's coming at some point. You know, we keep, I think a lot of Blues fans still kind of treat Colton Pareko like he's some 24-year-old kind of still on the up and up young player. And and he's 28. He'll be, you know, 29 as the season wraps up, which he's yep. certainly not old. But I don't know how much of an undiscovered part of his game there is, you know, and, yeah. I, and I just don't think he's going to suddenly become this Al McInnes type that's firing his slap shot accurately 250 times a year. And and I would love again <laughs> to be wrong about that. But I think if, if you're looking at who's got the best shot of running a power play successfully, I would say all three of Falk and Krug and Pareko are, are ahead of, or of Perunovic, excuse me, are ahead of him right now. Yeah, I think that's, a valid point for sure. Uh, goaltending wise, another big way for them to be good this year, or successful Bennington, Huso. Mm-hmm. I know we've had our doubts about Huso and what he could be. I've written many times in my articles previewing the season. Huso has got to find a way to take some pressure off of Bennington. I'm not saying play more games, but take some pressure off of him to not make Bennington play 70 games. I think that that's yeah. important. And we'll see if it happens. I mean, I, I think part of, I don't think Huso was great last year, but part of the reason why he was so bad or his numbers look bad is number one, I think that playing the same teams over and over and over again, they can get a book on you, especially if you're a young goaltender. Number mm-hmm. two, the defense in front of him was not good. Let's be honest about that. And number yep. three, he just had a couple of really, really bad games that can inflate your stats in a shortened season. So we'll see. I think he could be serviceable. I mean, he's not going to be – I don't think he's going to be Jake Allen backup level, which Jake Allen was pretty pretty good in uh, the season following the Cup. But um, what do you think about Bennington and Huso and how that's going to go this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is the biggest X factor on the entire team right now and and maybe the biggest unknown. And it's not just Huso. There's a very valid question about which Jordan Bennington are we going to get? Are we going to get that kind of end of the season carrying the team back into the playoff picture, Jordan Bennington, with a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence? Or is he going to be the Jordan, Jordan Bennington we saw before that that was pretty pretty mundane, I would say a little below average? Yeah. Uh, that's going to make a huge difference. But focusing on Hugh, I wasn't shy about saying I really would have liked us to upgrade this summer. I really am still envious of that, um, you know, whatever, $2 million deal, I think, that Yaroslav Halak signed to go to $1.5 million to go to the Canucks. Um, you know, who knows if he would have been comfortable with a reunion here. I know he didn't love the way things ended, but I would have loved a veteran backup, um, like you said, specifically to take some of the weight off of uh, Bennington, we didn't do that. We decided to save money there and go with Huso. And this is a make or break season for him. I think, you know, he either shows that he can be a, a full-time NHL backup or you have to look elsewhere next year. I do. I, I feel a little better about it now than I would have expected to. I think he's looked okay in the preseason, but it's a big unknown. And, and I do think he has to play 25 games 20 to 25 minimum to really, you know, give Bennington the kind of rest he needs to be effective. And and I don't know if he can do that right now. Yeah. I'd say that's a big factor for sure. Um, before we get into final predictions for the team record and such, um, who do you think leads in points this year? Is it going to be kind of uh, chalk with O'Reilly or does someone else emerge for leader in points? Yeah, I mean, I think if I think probably in in, in overall points, it's probably O'Reilly. I think that makes the most sense. But I would really watch uh, Buchnevich, and I'd pay close attention to Perron too, as kind of those other two guys. And I think I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that this is the the season Robert Thomas finally takes a big step forward and and climbs in those numbers as well into that kind of at least fifty to sixty point threshold. I'm Especially hoping. if he stays healthy. I mean, if he yeah, stays healthy, right. and he's playing all season with a consistent, you know, line of at least Sod or Tarasenko. I think that they could really do something because they've looked great in the preseason. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, goals wise, this is an interesting question because do we see Tarasenko bounce back? Do we see Buchnevich have a big season as you alluded to? Who do you think leads the team in goals? Yeah, that would be one where I probably would lean Pavel Buchnevich. I think he's going to be, if he's on that top line with um, O'Reilly, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to uh, score big goals. He's been a, a really, you know, he's had strong goal metrics in the past. Um, I, a lot of NHL teams have made the mistake in the past of trading a guy because he's quote unquote too soft, whatever that means. Um, and I think Pavel Buchnevich is one that the Rangers are really going to look back on and regret. So I'm, I'm pretty hopeful for him. Beyond that, I think, you know, Perron and, and maybe Cairo and hopefully Tarasenko has a strong season as long as he's here too. Are your other candidates there? I forgot to ask, what do you think about uh, James Neal and uh, how long before he's released, do you think? <laughs> um, you know, I think he'll be, if he's cut, and I, I would still lean on that side of the fence as well. I think he'll be kind of that last round. But he's had a good, he has been he's solid. had a good, solid role here. And if he doesn't get swooped up by a team, 
um, that, you know, needs a, a body early in the season. I wouldn't put it past Armstrong to circle back to him if there's an injury later in the year and they need a guy who can fill in and, you know, with some experience in the playoffs and everything else. I think, I think he'll, he'll be uh, near the top of Armstrong's speed dial in that kind of a situation. I wonder if they keep him if he scores a hat trick tomorrow night. We'll have to see. Who knows? We will find I out. I think he's he's definitely, I mean, even even when he signed, he was a guy that I was like, well, I don't think Michael Froelich has a has a prayer of making the roster, but James Neal, you know, the reason he's been so poo-pooed lately in the league was just his contract. It wasn't that he had nothing left to offer to him. So yeah. you know, James Neal at league men or slightly above is is a player that I still think probably has some value. So I wouldn't hate it if we found out that they decided to keep him, but I, at this point I'd be pretty surprised uh if they went that route. All right. What do you what do you think their range of points for the season will be and where do you think they'll finish in the central? Um, good, good question because, um, it's, it's been so long since we've had a a full season that I've got to remember what a normal point outcome is. Um, I think for blues, you know, I, that kind of disaster area would be down like towards 86, 88, I think is kind of the low end of their range. If the goalies really kind of blow up and you know Tarasenko I don't know is nothing whatever whatever your worst case scenario is um and I would think I would confidently say probably 91 92 as their sort of um median and then sort of maybe 95 96 is up closer to the high end of the spectrum could they get hot and push for you know 100 or or more than yeah sure possibly but there are some tough teams in this division and I think it'll be a pretty tight spread like we've seen in some years in the past. Yeah, I think, I think the division is going to play a factor here. Obviously you got to play a few games against them and the way that the season starts, I mean, the schedule in the uh, first in October, not easy at all. I mean, you, you start at Colorado, then you go to Arizona, which you think you can beat Arizona, but it is the NHL. You really never know what's going to happen. Then they got the Kings twice. The, the Kings, I think they're going to be a tough team to play against. Um, and then Chicago. So we'll see. I mean, first half of the schedule is uh, not as easy as it could be. Um, I'm worried about how they play Colorado this year. You'd like to think they're going to play better against them, but who knows? I mean, last year was obviously uh, embarrassing in the playoffs, but really wasn't a fair fight at this point. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be an interesting season. Do you have any uh, surprising or disappointing player um, predictions? Who do you who do you think could be a surprising player in terms of good? Who could be disappointing in terms of bad this season? Um, I think I've I've already alluded to it, but I I'm pretty high on Pavel Buchnevich, really high on on Jake Neighbors. Um, to me, I'm I'm most or not sorry, not Jake Neighbors. I am high on Jake Neighbors, but I meant to say Scott Brunovich. Um, but you know, if Jake Neighbors makes the team, that's a surprise already. I think so. He's kind of already met the bill. Um, I'm most concerned about those top three defenders, probably more than anyone else. Um, you know, just worried about those guys and what whether they find the right combinations, whether Pareko is fully healthy, et cetera. And then I think, I don't want to call it a disappointment because that's really not fair, but a return to earth for um, 
David Perron might be in order, which, you know, could still be like 55, 60 points, but I don't know if a point per game is really within his reach in a full season at 34, whatever he is, but I would love to be wrong. All right, Stephen, thank you for joining me very much. You can find his writing, thehockeywriters.com, along with mine and his podcast, the 2G1C podcast, at 2Guys1Cup on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it should be a good season, and hopefully we can uh, catch up soon. And thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll do it anytime.